Nitzavim Vayelech. Sometimes we read those two parishes together and sometimes apart. That implies that on the one hand, they have a thread that runs through both of them, a common theme. And on the other hand, it's a progressive theme. When Nitzavim progresses to Vayelech, Vayelech has something that Nitzavim does not necessarily have. That's reflected in Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur as well, which also have a shared theme. But Yom Kippur, we all acknowledge, is greater in a sense than Rosh Hashanah. So the question is, what is that progression? What occurs on Rosh Hashanah that develops into Yom Kippur, reflected in the theme of Nitzavim that develops into Vayelech? writes about these two parashiyas, that out of the 53 parashas of the Torah, sometimes you have, and he uses this example, a single parasha that gets divided into two, which means that that parasha is read over the course of two weeks, should the need arise. Which are these two parishes? So he says clearly, Nitzavim gets split in order to form the parasha of Vayelech. Now that's really interesting. Because if you pay attention to the language that he uses, the fact that he dafka says that this is a parasha that splits into two, and he doesn't use the same expression that he uses elsewhere about other what we call double parishes, where he says that that there are eight parishes that sometimes combine and are read over four instead of eight weeks. So that implies that it's two separate parishes that amalgamate, whereas Nitzavim Vayelech he talks about as a single parasha that splits. That implies to us that actually, in essence, Nitzavim Vayelech is a single parasha. It's just that occasionally we split it into two. And in a moment we'll see when we do that. Whereas all the other eight Double parishes are really two distinct and separate parishes <coughs> that under circumstances are sometimes put together to form a single reading. Now this concept is not only clear in what Reb Sadia Gohan is saying, you'll see it in Shulchan too. When you look at what both the Tur and subsequently the Shulchan Aruch use as the symbol of when you read Nitzav and Vayelach together or separately, so the simon they give is Pas Balg Hamelach. What does that mean? So, Bag Hamelech, Pas Vayelech. The Shulchan Aruch explains what does it mean. If Hamelech, which as we'll see in a moment refers to Rosh Hashanah, is either on a Monday or a Tuesday, then Pas Vayelech, we split Vayelech away from Nitzavan. So that means that if Rosh Hashanah occurs on Monday or Tuesday, then you read Vayelech separately. Now we need to understand how does that solidify our message over here, which is that it's a single parasha split. So look at the commentary on the Shulchan Aruch. The Magen Avram explains, Pas Vayelech, that when it says in the Shulchan Aruch that Vayelech is split, that word Pas is Pirish Milashen Pasois Oiso Pitim. That comes from the Lashon Apostle, which says, you crumble, you break up the dough, you break up the bread into pieces. Which means you break the parasha, which is a single entity, into two. 
כלומר הפס וילך וכנראה פס ליסוס הפיתים ששוברים חלה אחס ורקיק אחד לחלוקים. So in other words, what the Mogan Avram is telling us is that the process of separating ניצבים וילך is the same process as breaking apart the elements of the, uh, the, the bread that was brought in the base המקדש. וכך כאן שוברים ומפרידים וילך מניצבים. So therefore it's the same theme over here, we're breaking apart וילך. away from Nitzavim, where it originally belongs. So that's the theme. And if the theme is that Nitzavim and Vayelach belong together, then that tells you that they must share, obviously, a common message. Otherwise, they wouldn't belong together in such a deep and essential way. Because each parasha has its unique theme, which distinguishes it from other parashas. Then the fact that Nitzam Vayelech is seen intrinsically as a single parasha that is occasionally split, that tells you that they obviously share a common theme. Kloima, meaning to say. That doesn't just mean they have an overlapping element like the other double parishes. So they have a, an overlapping theme and therefore we can couple the two parishes together. Something far greater happens here. The fact that Nitzavim Vayelech are seen as a single entity tells you that whatever the primary theme of those two parishes is, is the same primary theme in both of them. Ah, so how come then sometimes are they separated? The very fact that occasionally we do, like this year, separate the two of them, move on from that we can understand that despite the fact that these two parishes share the same inherent theme, The way that theme plays out and expresses itself is different in Nitzavim and in Vayelech, and as we'll learn, in a progressive manner. Considering that Vayelech comes after Nitzavim, Once we establish whatever the core theme is, we'll have to say Vayelech takes the theme to the next level, that's why it comes next. It upgrades the thing. It may even be an exponential upgrade. Which is why sometimes it belongs to its own Shabbos completely, independent of Nitzavim, <coughs> because it is a state of the theme that is beyond the original state as it was in Nitzavim. So let's try and understand what is the primary theme of Nitzvah Vayelech and how does the progression work. To understand that, we have to look at the time of the year. It relates to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So if we understand Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and their progression, it will help us to understand the progression of these parishes. We will always read parishes Nitzvahim directly before Rosh Hashanah. And Al-Tareba explains why Nitzavim is so anchored to Rosh Hashanah, as we'll see a little later. Mashenkem Parshas Vayelech, Vayelech is not tethered to Rosh Hashanah in the same way, because Kasheri Micholekas Mi Parshas Nitzavim, Hinikus B'Shabbos Shelachar Rosh Hashanah, Verifnei Yom HaKippurim. Any year where we separate Nitzavim and Vayelech, then Vayelech is Dafka read 
after Rosh Hashanah. So it's different in Nitzavim. Nitzavim has to be read before Rosh Hashanah. Vayelech is sometimes read after Rosh Hashanah, which implies that it's then before and preparation for Yom Kippur. Which tells you that Nitzavim, the theme, is very much aligned to the theme of Rosh Hashanah. Vayelech, the theme is aligned to, or at least also, to the theme of Yom Kippur. So now that we look at these two factors about the Nitzavim Vayelech relationship, which we have mentioned, that on the one hand they both convey an identical theme, but base of a Yachad Im Zeh, in addition to the fact that they have a shared theme, Vayelech is the next phase, the next stage, the upgrade from Nitzavim. So we'll understand that better when we acknowledge that the same kind of thing happens with Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. They have an intrinsic theme that is identical in both, but Yom Kippur takes it to the next phase after Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah starts the process, and Yom Kippur upgrades, and perhaps even exponentially so, the process. So Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is a single theme, a single progression. To the extent that in the Pasuk we even find that Yom Kippur is sometimes called Rosh Hashanah. And yet, Yom Kippur has a certain advantage over Rosh Hashanah. Like we're saying, Vayelech has an advantage over Nitzavim. What's the immediately apparent advantage of Yom Kippur? We say in, in, in our davening. Rosh Hashanah is where the, the judgment is written. And on Yom Kippur it is signed and sealed. Which tells you that Yom Kippur is the conclusion of the process that began on Rosh Hashanah. And of course the conclusion has a certain advantage over the beginning. You see this reflected in Halacha. That's fascinating Mishnah in Rosh Hashanah that we're going to look at because one of the ways in which we refer to Yom Kippur as a Rosh Hashanah is specifically in the context of the Yovel year. What does that mean? You'll see this playing out in the Halacha of we know that in the Yovel 50th year all slaves are freed and that happens in stages. And those stages tell the story of the transition from Rosh Hashanah through and ending and culminating in Yom Kippur. So what's that locha is brought in the Mishnah in, in Rosh Hashanah? Between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the slaves were not free to go home, but they were not working as slaves. But when Yom Kippur comes, then it's absolute freedom, and now they can go home and live as private citizens. So that tells you that the two parts over here. First of all, of course, the idea of going free, the liberation, is a single theme from Rosh Hashanah through Yom Kippur. But the single theme occurs in two acts. The beginning of their emancipation occurs in Rosh Hashanah. You're no longer a slave. And the conclusion, the completion of the process when they are free to go home, which is, of course, the main thing about being liberated, to be able to go to your own space and live as your own person, 
who b'yom kippurim that occurs in yom kippur. So we sing it in a number of different ways. Rosh Hashanah is the beginning of the process that yom kippur culminates. As we're going to say with Nitzavim, it's the beginning of the process that Vayelech culminates. So now let's understand the connection between Nitzavim and Rosh Hashanah, because that will give us the clue to understand all of this. What is it about Rosh Hashanah that, so to speak, leans on Nitzavim? So the Alter Rebbe explains what's the link between Nitzavim and Rosh Hashanah. Because as we well know, Rosh Hashanah is the time where we accept Hashem as our king, as our monarch. When is it that, that we're able to accept Hashem as our king? As the Pasuk says, when everybody comes together and gathers. Which means when we all gather and assemble to be a unified community, which is the concept of Jewish unity, then Hashem can be our king. So, there you have it. There's the theme in Parshas Nitzavim, the assembly of all Jews, regardless of status. In front of Hashem, everybody from top to bottom, from the, the leaders of the community to the water carriers. Nitzavim expresses how, regardless of class, every one of us stands unified before Hashem. That's the prep for Rosh Hashanah. This idea of complete unity. Is also the theme that you will identify as well as the primary theme of Parshas Vayelech. How come? Because look, first of all, first the Parsha begins by Moshe going to all the Yidden to speak to them. The fact that he speaks, he approaches and he speaks to all Yidden, that tells you. All Yidin, regardless of class, regardless of status, regardless of religious observance, regardless of who they are. It's an equal, singular message to everybody. Absolute unity. It doesn't stop there. At the end of the parish, it also tells us that Moshe conveyed the words of the Shira, which is, of course, the next parish, Hazinu, to all of the Yidin together. The theme of Nitzavim is unity to prepare us for Rosh Hashanah to accept Hashem as our king. The theme of Vayelech is continuing with a theme of unity. There is the Nekudah Meshutefes, the intrinsic thread that runs through both parashas. Except in Vayelech, we're going to find there's even more. V'yoyd zois, af ha-mitzvah zoi, there are two key mitzvahs that are recorded in parashas Vayelech, and both of them carry the theme of unity. What are the two mitzvahs? Hakel, that every seven years after the Shemitah, the entire Jewish community has to assemble on Sukkot in the Beis Hamikdash to hear the king read the Torah. Ochsiva Sefer Torah, and the final mitzvah of 613, which is to write a Torah scroll. Both of them are mitzvahs, both of those mitzvahs highlight the theme of Jewish unity. The first is maybe a little more obvious. Mitzvahs Hakel Esa'om, the mitzvah of Hakel to gather the community on Sukkot in the eighth year. In the base Amigdash, Makifa Vakelelas is called Bene Sol Kehod, Leloichi looking Benehem. 
is a mitzvah that brings everybody together again across the entire spectrum of class. Men, women, children, converts. It's a level of unity that is not demanded by any other mitzvah. Unique, right? Unique state of unity. That's why the mitzvah is called hakel, because shekena musa kohol mashmo'oi. Hakel comes from the word kol, which means community, which implies shehani safim, that those who assemble enum rak tziruf pratim. It's not a whole lot of people standing in the same space independently of each other. It's that all of those people become now a single entity called community. By the way, this will also answer a question or a surprise, an issue that you may have with the concept of Hakil. It's interesting that who do we select to read the Torah to the Yidden at the time of Hakil? The king. Why the king? Is he the best suited person for this? Is he the custodian of Torah? Is that how you see a king as the person who represents Torah? Surely the idea of teaching Torah right across the Jewish nation is the responsibility of the Sanhedrin. Are they not the custodians of Torah? So logically, don't you think the person who would have read the Torah to the community on Hakil should have been the person who heads up the Sanhedrin, the core from where all Torah learning comes? So why is it the king? Uh, why? Because because the truth is that when it comes to Torah learning, there are two components to learning Torah. The most obvious is that there's a principle and a requirement to learn Torah. And for that, of course, you need understanding. And nobody's understanding is the same. When it comes to learning Torah, nobody's the same. You have people who are at the head of the community, and you have the simple folk, and they all process differently. But then there's a second thing. Beis. Kriyasa Torah. There's a mitzvah to read the Torah. And there, in order to fulfill the mitzvah of Torah study, when you read scripture, when you read Torah, whether you understand it or not, becomes irrelevant. And therefore, when it comes to reading the Torah, we're all on the same level. Any one of us can read the Torah. Every one of us fulfills the mitzvah by reading the Torah. And that's the message of Hakel, absolute unity. Because Hakel is we take all of the Jews and put us into a single entity, the community, the kohal. So that must be a time where the access point of the Jews to Torah must involve the part of Torah that is universal, the part of Torah that every one of us can key into, which is what? Reading Torah. In fact, you could take it a step further. If you look at how the Rambam describes it, he says, the Rambam says the day that you stood in the base Hamikdash at Hakel and listened to the king reading the Torah was the equivalent of standing at Mount Sinai and hearing the Torah from God Himself. And what's unique about Sinai? At Har Sinai, every Jew was there equally. 
Val came here at Smokil Aten, it's Tave Baum, Mipi, Hagvura, Shoima, therefore the Rambam tells us when you stand at Hakel, you should imagine in your mind that today you are getting the instructions of Torah afresh from Hashem. So it's this uniting element that is incredibly powerful. Therefore, who reads it? This particular, this, this particular aspect of Torah, the unifying element of Scripture, belongs more to the king than it does to the head of the Sanhedrin. Why? Because the commitment of the community to the king is not logical. You don't sit and work it out. It's not relative to your understanding. It is a universal principle that affects every single one of us at the core of our being. We are equally his subjects. We equally are dedicated to him, or at least should be dedicated, should be responsible to him. Therefore, the king is able to bring the whole community together. Because as the Rambam says, the king is the heart of the nation. That's why the king is the one who reads the Torah at Hakil. Because the king is the one who's going to impact us to be able to connect with a part of Torah that goes beyond reason, beyond intellect, and links us directly to the essence of Torah. So there you see it, Vayelech is this message of absolute unity, the unity that began at Nitzavim, the unity that prepared us to accept Hashem as our king on Rosh Hashanah. That theme of unity continues through Vayelech, in the story of Vayelech, and in the mitzvahs that are expressed in Vayelech. Even the second mitzvah, which is recorded in Vayelech, in spite of it being a mitzvah regarding the Torah, it's not the mitzvah to learn Torah, Elo ksiva sefer Torah. It's a mitzvah to write a Torah scroll. And that again highlights how every one of us has an equal access to Torah. Just like when it comes to reading the Torah at the time of Hakel, everybody hears the Torah equally. When it comes to writing a Torah, everybody participates equally, either writing or hiring somebody to write on their behalf. Nobody gets to write more and nobody gets to write less. It is equally available to all of us. So what's the theme of Nitzav and Vayelech? Complete Jewish unity, linked to the themes of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, accepting Hashem as our king. Now let's nuance this and understand the difference between how it plays out in Nitzavim and by extension Rosh Hashanah, compared to Vayelech and by extension Yom Kippur. So if we really want to know what's the distinction between Nitzavim and Vayelech, which both speak the theme of unity, We'll get to that once we better understand how the theme of accepting Hashem as a king is different on Rosh Hashanah and on Yom Kippur. We already noted that Rosh Hashanah through Yom Kippur carries a singular theme, accepting Hashem's authority as our monarch. So you could say this, that we start the journey of accepting Hashem as our king on Rosh Hashanah. We keep working at it through the course of the 10 days of Teshuvah until we reach a peak at Yom Kippur. 
That's why we keep saying that Hashem is our king, not our Kelah Kodesh, but right through the 10 days of Tshuva, because that is the ongoing theme and effort that we're supposed to try to achieve at that time. So what's the difference between Hashem and Yom Kippur? At Hashem and Yom the distinction is as follows. Rosh Hashanah is where you get, so to speak, to the core and the essence of our acceptance of Hashem as King. And that means that it's, it's the core and essence on our part and it's the core and essence on Hashem's part, which means this. Rosh Hashanah is the day where we, through our efforts, stimulate the essence of Hashem's pleasure and therefore His will to be our King. In other words, Rosh Hashanah stimulates Hashem's absolute pleasure in us as His people, which in turn motivates Him to want to be our King. How do we do that? How can you touch Hashem's essence? How can you reach so deeply? The reason we have the power to do this is because our neshama is rooted in Hashem's essence. So we can stimulate, so to speak, from the inside, because this is who we are. It's not that we are separate or distant from Hashem, and therefore we've got to find a way to connect. We are, in our essence, one with Hashem, and therefore we can stimulate the deepest response from Hashem. So what happens on Rosh Hashanah? It's this primal moment of connection between us and God. What happens from there on through the rest of the 10 days of Tshuva? What happens then is we start to unpack and, so to speak, develop what is called Binyan Hamalchus, the structuring of the element of divine, so to speak, Malchus, royalty, leadership, or the capacity for creation. Until we reach Yom Kippur, which we built up this idea that Hashem is our leader, creator, and we have to be subservient to Him to its fullest. Which means, practically, that down here in real human experience, you can actually see that we have accepted Hashem as our King. So Rosh Hashanah is the seminal moment where the seed of connection is, is uh, conceived. And Yom Kippur is where you start to actually express it in real terms, in real life, as a real human. Now that's the theme, accepting Hashem as our king, and as it develops from the seed to fully developed between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we said that in order for that to happen, you first have to create Achtos Yisrael, you have to create this absolute unity. So the unity must also have a similar trajectory. Seeing as we've already identified, how do you get to accept Hashem as your king? By uniting as a singular Jewish community. Just as there is a significant difference between how it manifests, our acceptance of Hashem as a king, how it manifests in Rosh Hashanah versus Yom Kippur, there is a similar parallel difference between the degree of Jewish unity around Nitzavim and around Vayelech, around Rosh Hashanah and around Yom Kippur. Meaning to say, this is key information now. Rosh Hashanah is the time where Jewish unity is a factor of how the reality is at a higher spiritual level. In other words, in essence, in truth, if you spoke to us at a Neshama level, we are always inherently one. 
how we are at our root. Whereas Yom Kippur will be the day when we can experience and identify this unity that we all have in real human terms. And that is why it plays out that Yom Kippur is exponentially greater in this respect than Rosh Hashanah. How so? Think about it. If you say that we are all united at a Neshama level, that's not a surprise. Because if you're at a soul level, if you're examining us at our deepest root, the concept of dispersion, the concept of conflict simply cannot exist. You're at the highest level of soul. Obviously, we're all connected because there is no alternative. Where there's no possibility for different levels. It's like the concept of a circle where nobody's at the front or the back, nobody's at the top or the bottom. What is most impressive? When you take a scenario where the default position is diversity and therefore conflict, and out of that reality you create unity. When you create unity in a space that is naturally apart, then you have real unity. That's real unity. That's when you say, oh, wow, look what you've achieved. It's not a big deal to have people who are naturally aligned to be together. But when you get people who are naturally at loggerheads to unite, that's a big deal. When you can, in an environment of separateness, bring about unity, then you advertise and you declare the truth that at the highest, deepest level, truth is unity. The concept of taking our world of diversity and separation and transforming it into a world of unity and specifically unity of consciousness of Hashem, that requires connection to the truth. What's the truth? That Hashem is one. So no matter what you see, Hashem is one. And therefore everything is one. So if you're at a high spiritual level and everybody is one, no. No big surprise. But if you're at a level where there are uh, things pulling in all different directions, and out of all of that you can say all of what's pulling in different directions is superfluous, and it's superficial, and what's real is the actus between us, then you've really touched the truth. Then you've tra- touched and revealed godliness. This same theme will actually express this theme of the, the major movement of the unity of the Jewish people between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur also plays out in the difference of how we deal with Teshuvah between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. There's no confession on Rosh Hashanah. During Rosh Hashanah, we skip all the parts that might refer to sins, like, you know, etc. We don't even ask for forgiveness. Whereas, Whereas that's almost the dominant theme of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, the day when we list our avarice and ask forgiveness. Why the distinction if they're both the same theme of accepting Hashem as a king? So the explanation is, He has the explanation. 
עבוד עשרה ששונה היא ההזוזו שמצד עצם הנשמה, כפי שמושרשת בעצמו שיוסברך. What occurs on Rosh Hashanah is there is a fundamental paradigm shift that happens to me on the inside. Why? Because my Neshama speaks and my Neshama is directly one with Hashem. I suddenly recognize a part of myself that is even greater than Torah and Mitzvahs. I recognize within myself a pristine eye that could never be susceptible to Averus. The real me. That's what happens to Hashanah. Moment of realization. That's the real me. The real me is not the person who runs after temptations. The real me is not the lazy individual, the distracted individual. The real me is connected to Hashem. Moment of awakening, epiphany. It's not the time to start talking about atonement and apology. In fact, it's not even appropriate at this point to talk about how you could transform an Avera through appropriate Teshuvah to become a merit. This is the moment where Hashem expresses absolute free choice to have us as His people. Free meaning there's no reason, no explanation, no outside influence. It's Hashem's essence choice. Which is why Hashem has so much pleasure and drive to want to be our king. We actually allude to this before. We say the shofar, we say, that this is a time where Hashem chooses us. Unlike on Rosh Hashanah, where it's this deep shofar moment that shakes me to the core of my being. Yom Kippur is where all of that comes to the surface. It starts to translate into real life. Where I recognize that that depth of my soul can and must enter the part of my world that does the wrong thing. That I should be able to confront my dark side and bring into that the essence of the day of Yom Kippur that can clean the slate. Meaning that on Yom Kippur, it's not only that I feel the essence connection of my soul to God, but that I feel in such a compelling way that it can blast away any dirt, any negativity, any bad behavior. That's why at Kol Nidre, before we begin to daven, we make a big declaration that all the sinners are now, so to speak, forgiven. And we'll daven together with them. Rosh Hashanah takes us to a level where there are no sinners. A level where no sin can ever reach. Nothing can ever be contaminated. But Rosh Hashanah is not yet at a space where you could go together with the sinners and still connect. Rosh Hashanah does not yet create the opportunity to connect to Hashem's essence while in the company of people who are so distant. Yom Kippur, on the other hand, is the true concept of bringing everybody into a singular connection, a singular bundle. Yom Kippur is this radical time where it is possible to bring on board those who 
for the time being at least, are so distant from Hashem, they're still not repented. And they're part of the process. So what are we seeing? Rosh Hashanah is unity out of a pristine, pure reality. Yom Kippur is the theme of unity, even despite the fact that the environment no longer appears to be pristine. It's a far deeper unity. You see that? Even where things have gone wrong, it still doesn't undermine the unity. There's another way that this plays out, and that is that Yom Kippur, our personal experience of Yom Kippur and how we observe Yom Kippur, does not only talk to the Neshama, talks to the body as well. And the minute you talk the language of the body, it becomes a universal, universal language. Souls, everybody's at a different level of soul. Body is a universal experience. Where do we see that? The five restrictions that are supposed to be, so to speak, uncomfortable for us in Yom Kippur, they are completely across the board. When it comes to proactively doing a positive mitzvah, different people are different. Great people do it with huge intention. Other people do it quite superficially. But when it comes to things that are restricted, that we're not permitted to do, it's equal across the board. In other words, you don't eat, I don't eat. It's exactly the same thing. We're both not eating. Whereas when you sit down to eat challah on Shabbos, one person is saying, the Shabbos Kodesh, another person is just eating challah. It goes even deeper than that. Chassidus speaks a lot about the concept that the Pasuk tells us that when we fast, that gives us life. During the rest of the year, the food gives us life. And on a fast day, particularly Yom Kippur, the fasting gives us life. That energy, vitality that we draw from the fast day also impacts us all equally. So Yom Kippur is a huge unifying factor. Which is not the same as Rosh Hashanah. Yes, Rosh Hashanah is a day where the essence of the Neshama reveals itself. And so therefore everything we do during the course of Rosh Hashanah is motivated by the essence of the Neshama. And the essence of the Neshama is equal across the board. But when will you experience that? When you're engaged. So you're learning, you're listening to the shofar, you're davening. Those are the times where the essence of your Neshama is plugged in. But when you finish davening, when you finish the service of Hashem, you go home and you enjoy a good Yom Tov meal, then some people will just have a meal and other people will have a deeply spiritual experience. It's not universal. So that's a big distinction between Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> That major upswing of spirituality from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur is also reflected in Nitzavim to Vayelech. Nitzavim describes this incredible Jewish unity regardless of who you are. Why is there so much unity? Because he's standing before God. Which means everybody is elevated to the source of their neshama. Obviously, everybody is now united. No surprise. 
אך פרשס וילך עוסקס באחדוס כפי שמסגלו בבני ישראל למטה בעומדם בדרגוס עמהם, ואז וילך speaks to the Jews as the Jews are, not as they are overwhelmed by the presence of God, as they are. That's why it says Moshe went to speak to the Yidden. Moshe Rabbeinu b'madrei gosoi holach v'nimshech v'yidaber kol Yisrael k'fi sheim o'yimdim b'madrei goselohem. Amazing thing happens here. Moshe at his lofty level reaches out and brings to the Jews at their level what they need to hear. You see something magnificent happening over here. You've got Moshe speaking to the people in their world, and yet it's a singular message right across the, the board to all of them. Why? Because he's bringing that core unity to their world, to their space. You see the same theme in Hakil. On the one hand, we're told the men come to learn, the women come to listen, the children come to bring reward to their parents for having schlepped them along. So it sounds like we're distinguishing, right, obviously between everybody. Which tells you that this is unity that acknowledges diversity. It's not the unity of we're all in Hashem's face, so therefore we all melt away. We acknowledge everybody's difference, and bring them together nonetheless. It's dafka when you have this unity within diversity, that's when the king gets up and reads. And the king reading, as we already mentioned, impacts everybody equally because it's no longer an intellectual exercise. It's a reading exercise to which we can all relate equally. And we all get the value of Limit HaTorah out of reading Torah Shabbat Shav equally. So therefore, during this process of Hakel, what occurs? Bringing that absolute unity down into the reality of each individual. And that's the theme. You start off with a place of pristine unity that has never been t- contaminated and tainted. And you go from that to a place of diversity in which you bring tremendous unity. Until you reach the end of Vayelech where it says, That Moshe told the everything to completion. What does it mean he told them the whole Torah to completion? That means that he brought him to a place of absolute oneness and wholeness. Meaning, That means not only were the words of the Torah complete, but the people became complete. That means Moshe is not just talking to the depth of their soul. Instead, what it means is that he is successful in bringing their message, the message of Torah, the pristine message of Torah, to the people in their reality. That's the greatest achievement. It is not such a big achievement to create unity in a beautiful spiritual environment. It is a huge achievement to bring absolute unity into a space where everybody sees difference. What does that teach us practically? We know that the 10 days from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur are time to focus on extra Avas Yisrael. 
הרי אין פירס הדבר רק שיש חסרון בפרט מסוים, אלא הדבר נוגע לעניין הכללי של תמליכוני עליכם על כלל ישראל. As long as there might be some gap in our unity, that's not just a personal issue, it's something that affects the ability to have Hashem as our king. ומייחס שביומים אלו יש לזכון על ימי הכיפורים. So seeing as this is a time where we're supposed to prepare for Yom Kippur, so if it's true that the Lord is not only a good thing, but a good thing that is not only a good thing that our Abbasi soul has to be to the extent not only that we turn a blind eye and don't notice other people's flaws, and therefore I could love and be united with a person because I'm willing to ignore their failings. There's an incredibly powerful type of Abbas Yisrael that is required from us. That I do notice the person's flaws. And I still show absolute love to that individual without any restraint or any calculations. And how do I show that I have that love? By assisting that person to overcome their shortcomings, not with criticism, but with love. By engaging in this campaign of Abbas Yisrael at this time of the year, that should, please God, bring us to a point that we could see Hashem as our King in a revealed fashion. And to be sealed for a tremendously good year on Yom Kippur. That we should have a good year and a sweet year in every revealed fashion for all of us.